0: After all this, you still...
1: I still want that gas, yes. And you had better deliver.
0: Hey, listeners. Welcome back to Greenhouse Gaslighting. Um, I'm thrilled to share um, I had the chance to interview someone I look up to and has inspired um, a lot of my work. Uh, Matt Kressman from Chapo Trap House, uh, who very graciously um, accepted um, one of my unsolicited offers to record a podcast with him. And he's great we love him folks uh as you guys can tell um i'm already fangirling over him and it's apparent during um the recording of this episode that i was indeed a little nervous and flustered uh talking to him but that's also a testament to uh the quality of his work and thought uh particularly in how well he's able to wrap things together nicely in a bow and kind of you know package and um not necessarily a prescription, but a very cohesive worldview. That once you once you really think about it critically, it's like actually I don't even know how to follow that up, man. So it was it was an absolute blast having him on. Um, again, if you guys don't listen to Chapo, I I strongly recommend you guys get on that. And without skipping a beat, I'm going to get you guys right to the interview. You know him from Chapo Trap House, the Kush Vlogs, and uh the inebriated past please welcome matt crispin hey so i just wanted to be the first of many to congratulate you on uh, not getting owned biden did not in fact get shot at the inauguration like some of this hysteria was going on about
1: yeah they didn't, nobody bum rushed the stage uh it's amazing the only people the, the only thing that the q people and the uh and the biden jihadists believe, agree on is that there was a real threat of some sort of overthrow of the government in the last month.
0: And I mean, I mean, and we can tell that this was part of the unfortunate, but real pattern of stochastic violence we have, right? Where
1: yeah,
0: in a sense, it's like, okay, it was inevitable. It would be one of the tantrums, right? But it was not the 9-11 event that they wanted it to become. And th- that's something I found frustrating is they had everything they needed to, to take action and punish them. Right. So the fact that they turned into this whole Patriot Act to debate is, it's astounding.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it, it it helps everybody, and it helps everyone who is committed to the the fiction that there is a political contest between these two sides, is that they they get to use this as as an excuse for each other's continued, uh, for each side's continued allegiance to uh, politicians who are at this point. I mean, we, we watch, I watched that inauguration. It's a, it was a nursing home waiting room. I mean, right. it's 80-year-olds it's being led around by staffers signing things that are essentially procedurally generated by lobbyists. Like, there's no real agency here, but uh, it's in the interest of everybody who is either uh, ideologically or materially invested in the parties or just emotionally invested in the, the, the emotional catharsis of politics and spectacle to think that this is a real contest where there's real stakes. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. So at the very least we made it. And I hope that, you know, uh, the inauguration doesn't become something people rest their laurels on. Mm -hmm.
1: I will say that I think that Trump's inauguration will probably be the last one uh, to be, to take place in front of a crowd. I think we probably have seen the end of that. I think that the lockdown perimeter in front of a group of uh dignitaries and like symbolic flags is going to be the norm from now on
0: mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you said it best. <laughs> I don't really have a follow up to that <laughs> and i I mean you know I, I as as you said before like this this kind of discourse is getting kind of tiring, and I'm guessing with Biden finally in the White House, we can pick up that conversation that began, I want to say, in 2020, when you, um, particularly at the start of the Kush vlog, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you had really touched on effectively, like, there is a missing spiritual component to how the pre-left, um, in your words, is, is lacking. And you, I, th- I think that you'd, you'd really gotten a good idea out there with um, your take on John Brown, And sort of the conditions about Bill, and then I think as the election kicked off, that's when, you know, the discourse started started to sour a little bit. But that's, that's why I wanted to have you on is I grew up in a house with Marianne mindset um, Ah. for a big time. And when you said the spiritual component, like something clicked. So that's why I wanted to have you on. And I think that's a necessary perspective that people aren't exploring right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We're all, we're seeing that Honestly, I feel like QAnon shows it. I mean, there's no organization there and there's no real project, which is why it was allowed to go as far as it did. But there is still a willingness to act there that is powered not by political ideas. And people like to make fun of QAnon for that. And of course, it is absurd that these people, they have no real conception of what a government even does. They think of it in magical terms. But they also are thinking in spiritual terms. And their spirituality is obviously dog shit. It's, uh, it's uh, the worst kind of like American Protestant uh, individualism, but it is it does infuse their actions with uh, purpose. And that's something that I don't think any of the people who have been trying to uh, like talk a left into existence in this country have really uh, struggled with because uh, in, this, in this environment that we're living in, it seems like it's almost impossible to, uh, to break people out of their, uh, their complacency with a purely material pitch because even if you're pitching that things could, should be better and that there are policies that could make them better, any sober examination, any rational examination of the conditions surrounding us is that they cannot get better. <laughs> and uh, the only way to overcome that is to cor- transcend rationalism in a sense. And that requires you to be able to access something beyond uh, just beyond dry political reason.
0: Mm-hmm. And that, that that's really the take that I've been trying to explore and I'm, I'm trying to evangelize somewhat. I'm doing a bad job of it. But I, I think it's just one of those things where we're all feeling the effects of what Mark Fisher was describing as capitalist realism, right? Mm-hmm. And that, those are the terms we think in, but I, I'm trying to think of like what, the, what people on our side could conc- conc- concretely put their faith in, right? And I think maybe part of it is that we don't know how to explain what a post-scarcity or post-capitalist um, world looks like. And that's something that one, you need to be able to, de- to describe which I don't think I know for a fact, I, I have a difficulty doing that. I'm still a baby reading theory. Um, the version of capital I'm reading is illustrated. I'm really bad with uh, <laughs> doing the reading. Look, man, um, I don't know if they had this when you were growing up, but remember when pizza hut was doing like the reading program. Look with, oh
1: yes. I, oh, I, I was God. a, I was a book at all star getting those free personal pan pizzas. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I guess once I lost the incentive, maybe that was my push against reading, but I'm trying to get back into it. And I guess the question I had is, how do we describe a world without alienation? What does the non-alienated subject look like?
1: Well, I mean, in, it's tough because in practice, uh, I mean, it would be gener like the, uh, a lot of the specifics of it, the things that you could try to explain to somebody would only really make sense in the context that is, frankly, inconceivable because we are so conditioned to expect to believe that life is about certain things and that like human happiness and thriving are defined in certain terms that are incompatible with, with the lack of alienation. They are defined in strictly material terms. And even our uh, like socialist politics is defined in dis uh, in solely strictly material terms. And in that case, it's very hard to imagine a world where a where people consume less and are still fulfilled in some way mm-hmm. because f- 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 fulfillment popularly understood because we've abandoned the idea that there could be any kind of shared project, any kind of social uh, uh, identity beyond individual striving uh, is inconceivable. And I think rather than trying to, to sketch it out specifically, I think the, the task of, Investing the very idea of social life with spiritual meaning uh, even if it won 't give you an idea of what post scarcity would look like, it can tell you how what post what post scarcity would feel like, and that really is the more important thing hmm. is is the feeling part uh, i I think that there is only so far we can get uh explaining things uh because of how limited our horizons, our material horizons are. I mean, we have to be willing to, to push beyond the possible. And the only thing that can get you to do that is not an argument. It is, it is an emotional connection. It is to get sappy about it. It is love.
0: You can get sappy here. I'm, I'm open to talking about it in yeah. those
1: terms. It's, uh, it's, it, it, it really is. It's, it's radical love. And that's the, that is a, obviously a very capacious uh, concept that uh, is not necessarily intuitive uh, to people who have grown up in America, but it's the only bridge to a livable future, I think.
0: Mm -hmm. And that's something that came up in my life is I had parents who talked about love a lot and it, it was in a kind of a Hindu context, but it is that thing that, you know, whether you subscribe to the acid Marxism uh, view of this, where, you know, the empathy you feel on drugs is one thing. Right. Or if you take some of the classic language like MLK used in the context of love mm-hmm. and something that came up recently last year was at a Bernie rally. I remember Cornell West said um, <laughs> very it was it was funny, but it made sense was love. If you look at it in private as tenderness, but in public, you can express it as justice. Mm-hmm. so what's what 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 seems to be people's problem in- in accepting love as a form of informing your politics
1: i well i think it, it's a lot of it boils out of the fact that there there is no sense uh, i mean who are you supposed to love right mm-hmm. like if even if you do ex, accept the idea that that you should you know love others and, and that that should be the foundation of through politics it's there's also this Apparatus of control that prevents anyone from expressing anything other than, you know, the most miserly instincts publicly. And then also shit tons of your fellow citizens are committed to just being pig shit scumbags and telling someone uh, to love in that context when they will not be reciprocated uh, feels to a lot of people like surrender uh, and The only way to defeat that is is to use the love as a motive force to build a durable and effective political action. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, of course, that's much easier said than done, uh, and that's because it has to be done. It can't be said, you know what I mean? Because our discourse machine exists to dissipate all of our in all of our energies and to confuse uh our instincts and to leave us uh bereft of options and anxious and uh more than anything self-hating and uh that's why i always end up no matter what i'm talking about coming back mandala like to the idea of logging off because mm-hmm. uh and part of that you, it is honestly i'll be be blunt is me uh acknowledging my insufficiency to the task of like building, uh, a, a strategic path forward, but also I think an honest reckoning with the fact that such a project is absurd on its face and only the illusory omnipotence and, uh, and illusory reach of online communication would make anyone even for a minute consider it to be a reasonable thing to expect of anyone.
0: Hmm, and that—that's a discussion I keep falling back into with some friends who are convinced that posting has become a new kind of activist front. And I mean, you—anyone who's uh, listened to your work knows that, like, that's—that's that's on its face, not true. Mm-hmm. But it, is it just as simple as saying that people are desperate for looking for something they can do, and they fall into this trap of thinking posting is action?
1: Well, people want something to do, and there's no and. The, the social lives that we live are so arid and uh, and impoverished that the doing of something is wildly intimidating and in, uh, hopeless. If, if you start from trying to make your politics uh, real in your life because of how depoliticized and, uh, and fragmented the population of this country is. Meanwhile, there is this thing, the internet, which exists as a imagined community that one can fantasize uh is malleable or joinable or movable uh when in reality since everybody is doing that and everybody is subconsciously or consciously pushing for a uh a idiosyncratic and personalized politics that is largely shaped just by other posts and not by experience uh what is going to come out of that furnace is just going to be a bunch of a bunch of people essentially broadcasting their alienation to one another uh, with an expectation that there could be some cumulative effect of that. But, but I think we've learned there isn't. I mean, the, uh, Q is the closest thing we've seen to uh, what happens when uh, people alienated, uh, uh, fragmented people post themselves to a political practice. And what that practice was is milling around the Capitol building, like uh, it's the Mall of America, and then getting arrested two weeks later by the FBI uh, after watching uh, the reptilian child eater Joe Biden be uh, sworn in. But uh, that's why, and, and so that's why it's totally understandable and inevitable. And I certainly don't blame anybody for it. And I, I certainly am always, always fighting with my instinct to log off and then the fact that what what, log off to what i mean beyond our hyper alienated state as a country we're literally in the middle of a pandemic that is preventing any uh segment any any fragment of a social life from forming so posting makes in that context is is a totally reasonable uh uh distraction it's something that Is It is inevitable that people are going to seek meaning from. Uh, And I don't think there's any realistic expectation on my part that people are in any mass sense going to log off. I think that if there is a future for the left and for humanity, it'll be the process of people essentially being uh, disenchanted with what they have convinced themselves was the path forward and then without any other place to go, being essentially forced to pay more attention to what's happening in their immediate vicinity and then applying the passion and the energy and the focus that they were doing online to whatever it is that they can put themselves to around them. And what the specifics of that are, are totally determined by people's specific placement.
0: Mm -hmm. but that largely means that it gives you the freedom to do what you can in your in your circle right so if that's like getting involved in like let's say community farming or i don't know joining a religious group even if that's not always applicable that's still better than nothing in that case right
1: i would say yeah anything is better than than being locked in the discourse bubble because Mm -hmm. it i i mean i i had kind of a, a breakdown earlier this year because i had hit the limit of how far I could, how much I could convince myself that I was like making the world a better place by doing what I wanted to do anyway, you know, because like during the Bernie campaign, there was this moment where I was feeling for the first time a sense of, of, of oh, I'm not just you know wiling my life away as a, as a consumer. I'm actually asserting uh, a humanity, uh, and then, you know. I found out, oh, this was kind of illusory. This was, this was uh, kind of a Potemkin movement. Uh, and I mean, I don't think that that's anyone's fault. I think that had to be, that's a lesson that had to be learned mm-hmm. because after Trump became president, especially uh, people were left with the options in front of them, And that for most people, at least most people who were at that point energized to want to do politics, was online and so everyone reasonably or a lot of people reasonably move forward in that direction and it's and that is understandable that's inevitable uh the, the, the the real challenge is how long can you keep doing that and getting the same results before the emotional uh hollowness becomes overwhelming
0: and that, and that's something that's very difficult to break out is that that loop of anxiety that you find yourself in and you don't do anything new or even you don't do the thing that you need to do. And yes. breaking that I I don't know what the prescription is. I'm still trying to uh figure that out for myself as well. Yeah. I think it, that I mean
1: I think we're kind of I think the prescriptions we had that like that was what the fights have been about for the past 4 years mm-hmm. that I've noticed are all these prescriptions and I think what we've realized or should have realized uh, over the last year is that these prescriptions are irrelevant because none of the people articulating them has any chance of uh, implementing anything. That, that we are all so far from power that it's, we're, we're doing the thing that Marx chided uh, and, and uh, the utopian socialists were doing. Which, which is fantasizing about what revolution will look like rather than uh, getting down to the question of how to effectively uh, coordinate and assert power. And that is a separate question. And it's a, more, it's a more practical and pragmatic question, but it's one that's harder to talk about online because it demands local information. And it's not universalizable the way that uh, ideological prescriptivism is. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's what pushed me towards the podcast route is I just think that, like, there's certain things that are better said vocally than they are over posts and that the signal to information ratio is just fucked when you put it on social media.
1: Yeah, there's 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 no every it's, it's a it's 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 a entrepreneurial space mm-hmm and and that is not a conducive space that's a space that re-inscribes all of the uh, most pernicious uh elements of neoliberalism and and uh and means that even your most in uh well intentioned political actions end up being mostly about determining the good and the bad and asserting one's own uh, place on the right side, but for no purpose, because none of these categories refer to power.
0: Mm-hmm. And that, and that's something that I've been trying to talk about more, like in in conversations with friends about politics, or just to myself even, is recognizing influence and power and how to build that. That's what politics is really about, and I think it's become. Instead, what side of the culture war are you on? And trying to get people to think practically in terms of like, no, like we're all on the same page about the environment, let's say, right? How do we uh, build our power? What does power look like in this system? What, What does the other side use as power and how do they exercise that? And I think what has been a question in my mind for a minute is we see how the Democrats use power. We see how the Republicans use power. If there's a, something that's going to come orthogonally to that, I don't think we've even begun to think in terms of power yet. We're still thinking about either the aesthetics of revolution or these, these cyclical discussions like, is it fascism? Is it not? Oh, yeah. And I, th- that's what I'm trying to get at is the what would an alternative power structure look like? When we talk a lot about dual power, but what does that look like? And I, that's a question I have.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, I, 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 don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't mean I, to
0: stump you. I'm just like.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, that's why, that's why, it's like, that's why I, if I, when I, when I punt on that question and it's to say, like, I don't know. And, and honestly, if anyone says they do, I would be suspicious of that. I would be very suspicious of that claim. Uh, I think, and that's why I think that that uh, investing politics with spiritual meaning is is the most important thing that someone in my position can do. I.e., someone who really doesn't know anything, <laughs> but people listen to for some reason uh, is well. What what am I certain of? You know what what do, what do I actually think is meaningful? And that's and that is anybody who's going to be working towards building a better world uh, has to have a emotional, spiritual dimension to how they imagine that. It cannot merely be uh, uh, some sort of pragmatic attempt to, you know, re, uh, redistribute resources or a, for which I think it is for a lot of people, a fantasy of retribution against those who they feel have wronged them. Mm-hmm.
0: very well said I'm just trying to figure out how to follow that up um I guess so in terms of building one's own spiritual practice right what what can you do at the individual level like I meditate do you
1: uh yeah I do I I, I've I've gotten I've done more and less of it uh but yes I think that breathe sitting with your breath and sitting just in general uh is an important step to uh to breaking a lot of the conditioned responses that drain everything around you of any meaning and any wonder because they become routinized.
0: Mm -hmm. And from that, you can build a sense of discipline. And from there you, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. uh, Discipline and also uh, appreciation for, Mm -hmm. for everything that is around you so that you are acting from a sense of, of love for, the 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 wonder and beauty that's around you at all times Mm -hmm. and that is easy to lose sight of even if you're fighting even if you believe you're fighting for for the betterment of all
0: i think that makes sense in terms of you know breaking out of that shell of resistance to change i think discipline is really the only tool then yeah and how you build that up is unfortunately up to you Mm -hmm. Hmm. good stuff good stuff I'm also just a uh, question I have is what, what was the route of radicalization like for you? Because for folks, my generation, I'm, I'm 24, right? Um, the big thing is I think a couple of us probably started with a democratic route and then Bernie shows up in 2016. And we had this uh, push to the left as, you know, 2020 came, or at least some of us. And what, what do you think of, that very online form of exposure to these ideas does for us compared to maybe folks in your generation? Uh,
1: I mean, I don't know. I can only say what I've, I see around me mm-hmm. among, you know, younger people who have been uh, radicalized by uh, the last eight years or so uh, or, or, and it's not, I think it's it's just that that it's a it's like the what is it's the you know this is water deal of, I think that a lot of people are just not aware of the degree to which everything that they are uh, operating on is is mediated and is diffused and is uh, not representative of real stakes. I think stakes is really the thing that is lost most by by being uh, uh, online and the thing about but. The, I'd say the contrast you're talking about between you know older people like me and younger is that if you didn't have that, if you if you are able to be aware of the distinction between you know the online and the, the real, uh, it 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 more than anything it kind of undermines your ability to motivate yourself to do anything uh, because you are so hyper aware of how bad how how uh, bad the dynamics of power are in this country and how far we are from having authentic politics. Whereas there's, I think more energy, not just from youth but also from just living in that bubble that comes from being more uh, grounded in a, in a virtual life. Uh, and you know, the challenge for everybody is, is wetting their energy to a, uh, to a clear-eyed understanding of, of the actual state of play.
0: I guess yeah l- quite literally dialectics can be seen as living in the moment but on a higher yeah. level than at that point so right. h- h- what's the best way to get people to start thinking dialectically and maybe you can check me on if I'm doing it right <laughs> <laughs> um
1: I guess for me it would it, it would boil down to not seeing imagining things as a flow as rather than as uh, as a collision of discrete objects, discrete people, discrete ideas, discrete uh, like material conditions that they are all constantly pressing against one another and always moving and it's amazing how many people who who profess you know to be to be Marxist socialists are 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 unable to get out of thinking in in very binary uh or or not necessarily binary but in uh very just definitive terms like the idea of things being fixed i guess is is the uh is the mistake i think that causes a lot of category confusion and makes it harder for people to see what's in front of them uh and what and if you start thinking in terms of flow if you start thinking in terms of things as constantly being uh uh changed by interaction with other things, uh it will then allow you to think not in terms of well, which one of these is good and which one of these is bad, but like how mm-hmm. are these things relating to one another? And what is what is the likely outcome of those processes?
0: Right. I, I think it just comes down into like trying not to sort things into good and bad. Right. Especially like when it or at least some of these things like uh, for perspective um, I came from like the SJW background and that was my foray into all this. So Mm -hmm. I'm kind of reformed in that sense. Right. But I think a lot of that discourse just ends up becoming either intentionally or unintentionally um, an investigation on who's good and who's bad.
1: Yes. no, that's, that seems to be the full, the full point is like to create the purest movement possible but again, a movement of who, mm-hmm. a movement where, and that doesn't seem to be on anyone's radar. Well
0: mm-hmm. said. That's it's a difficult place, but I just, I, I guess, what I want is just to get people to think a little more deeply about some of these things because what. I've been there before and I'm not sure how to describe what pushed me to start thinking deeper, but people are stuck at that level and they're kind of incentivized to be stuck. at I'm sorry if I'm not making sense.
1: No, 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 that's hundred percent true. And the incentivization is very important. And that's what goes back to the entrepreneurial nature of online disputation spaces is, mm-hmm. is that everyone is like the the the, 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 the secret reason to want to, to split everybody into good and bad is to reaffirm your position among the good.
0: It literally is a marketplace of ideas. In yeah. That yes.
1: It's a marketplace of ideas. Exactly. Oh gosh.
0: Okay. So, I mean, in, in recognizing that, I mean, I, I think it's, it it wraps itself up pretty nicely in that you kind of have to fix what's up at the individual level. And then from there you can exercise yourself in your little, in your little sphere oh my god i'm not making sense give me no some. you are it's good. i'm Chung I'm, I'm out give me
1: <laughs> hey we all are at all times how else do you live in this world right uh no and i and i think that that that's important to, to remember for no other reason than to to prevent uh you from losing perspective i think more than anything it's 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 People who who want to say you know oh turning inward you know this is just like the sixties it's like well for one thing, uh, the sixties was a a like ex, a, a explosion of you know uh, of individuated energy that couldn't cohere into anything more than that because it was not in a context of of class struggle, and that's also true of whatever we thought the left was before now. the, the, the new online lab. And, and if the if there's going to be a difference this time, I think it'll come down to the fact that uh, the option that the baby boomers who turned on and dropped out had of, you know, going and going and getting a real job and and buying a house and selling out isn't an option anymore because we're sort of at the end of the neoliberal tether, which means that uh, we're, there's a better likelihood that, that if we are, if we enough of us reach a point where we are disillusioned with the existing uh, avenues of cathartic dispensation of our uh, political energies, that we will have to fight mm-hmm. for ourselves, for our families, for for the fucking race, the human race.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think those are just topics that. In our attempt to, you know, stay logical or to kind of become our own version of Voltaire's bastards, right? There's, yeah. there's been like a real desire to cast away that kind of talk, like almost as if it's not effective in selling people over. But I think that's, those are the terms we're going to have to sink back into. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you've answered a ton of my questions and I'm sorry, I'm not making a lot of sense or I need a little time to think about what to ask. Um, something I worry about is as the, as Biden takes over, I think there's going to be a real attempt to kind of gaslight the public when it comes to what happened these past four years. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And it's really, to me, defined by liberals taking absolute inaction on opposing the president or opposing Trump, not having a clear distinction to that. And this burgeoning uh, pre left still like squabbling amongst itself and being under the thumb of uh the establishment liberal order so um shit <laughs> give me a second i'll, I'll find a way yeah, no together is um i feel i feel like a lot of people are going to see that and just sink back into the doom mindset like what's going to keep people integrated? Is it having a positive vision forward or is it um, thinking materially? What's it, is it a combination of all of it?
1: I mean, I think it, it's a combination of all of it, but I think what it springs from is uh, will be the, if you are spiritually motivated, if, you're, mm-hmm. if you are actually motivated out of like a love that is boundless, that, that moves beyond yourself and beyond your specific sphere and that that motivate force can overcome uh, any, any sense of you know doom, any sense of hopelessness for the very simple fact that acting from it is not uh, a chore. Acting from it is not a sacrifice. Acting mm-hmm. from it is imperative. Whereas what we have had until now is a left that I think to the degree it exists has been paralyzed by the fact that people don't want to sacrifice if they don't think it'll be worth it in a material and selfish sense and that the only thing that overcomes that is a motive and it's a spiritual motivation for which those sort of considerations don't apply because acting is itself imperative it is self-motivated it is not it is not uh, part of a calculation Mm-hmm. Of, of like self-interest or political uh success
0: mm-hmm. okay i think that uh, that ends that up i'm I'm sorry like i, I can't think of like anything further because you've, you've put it so well right
1: um well i mean i hope that's what i hope to do so yeah that's good
0: yeah so i guess i guess in retrospect um not really for the haters right but for people who are kind of skeptical about this push towards spiritual uh a spiritual understanding of things um what's our little uh catch for them like how do, how do we get them on board with this
1: uh i mean i would just ask them like okay things are bad things don't look like they're gonna get any better the left is essentially non-existent and it's it's a subculture that's breaking apart uh you still have to live, you still have to live your life. What matters to you? What gives you a sense of meaning? Mm -hmm. And by focusing on that, your life will be infused with more emotional resonance, more, uh, you will be able to think in terms of you will be, instead of trying to convince yourself through reason of a course of action, you will be driven, you'll be pulled towards a close uh, course of action by your, your self-generating desire to see the love that you feel the world around you uh, expressed.
0: I think that puts it all together very nicely. Well, thanks for coming on, Matt. I, re- I really yeah, do appreciate this, and I'm really inspired by your work. So, oh, thank you very much. Having you come on to explain this, You know, it, it really helps.
1: Well, oh, thanks thank you for having me. all
0: right anything you want to plug or
1: <laughs> uh yeah just uh actually um there's a show uh called uh, game of thrones uh <laughs> check it out all right thanks man yeah thank you and that's our show folks
0: um a little bit of housekeeping before you go uh thanks again to all our new listeners and all our current ones Um, You guys have really gotten us past 50 downloads. We're still very small, very small, but I appreciate everyone who's tuned in. I appreciate everyone who's engaged uh, our content and definitely feel free to DM the page on Twitter or on Facebook. Um, I think we have an email somewhere. If it's not, I'll make sure I have that up by this weekend and you can feel free to send us all your feedback and suggestions. I'm more than happy to look at that. This is also the last episode we'll be uploading this month. Um, we've hit our quota for just how many hours of content we can release. And I plan on taking that time to take a break, go bird watching, focus um, on myself, work out, that kind of thing. Um, but if you do want to support us and you're jonesing for a way to engage with the show, definitely feel free to send your feedback on the ways I've mentioned. Um, you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel and there's something about giving us five stars on the Apple Store so that it'll help us with the algorithm. That That's how I recommend uh, you provide us support if that's what you can do. Uh, you can also recommend this show to folks who you think would be interested in the perspective we have to offer, as well as other discussions about society and culture. This is Adi. Thanks again for tuning in. Thanks again, Matt Crisman, for coming on. Thank you again, listener. We couldn't do this without you. Stay warm, stay safe.